Chapter 15 of A Gringo in Manana Land by Harry L. Foster. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 15 Where Marines Make Presidents. Part 2. 6. The story of the American cooperation, which the Nicaraguans themselves describe by a less pleasant word, dates back to 1909 at that time nicaragua had a dictator jose santo zelaya had been re-electing himself president for seventeen years he had commenced his reign stern though it was with fairness and justice toward his countrymen and friendliness towards foreigners in his later years overwhelmed with conceit at his success he came to regard his dictatorship as a right that carried with it the privilege to amuse himself as he saw fit if he needed money he horsewhipped the wealthier merchants until they offered a voluntary contribution if he saw a woman he desired he sent for her to come to the palace presently he commenced to meddle in his neighbors affairs fomenting revolutions in the adjoining countries and thumbing his nose at the united states in 1909 a revolution started in his own country over at the isolated port of bluefields on the caribbean coast there are rumors that it had the backing of american capitalists these rumors arise from the fact that adolfo diaz then the treasurer of the revolution and later the leading actor in the drama was an humble employee of an american concern diaz denies these rumors every penny he told me in managua was contributed by nicaraguans but certain it is that the revolution had the sympathy of the united states government president taft at the time frankly described zelaya in a message to congress as an international nuisance and when during the fighting the zelisas executed two american soldiers of fortune caught red-handed attempting to dynamite troop ships on the san juan river the american government made this trivial incident the pretext for hinting broadly that it was time for zelaya to resign zelaya did resign leaving the presidency in the hands of an excellent man backed by all the old lieutenants of the zelaista party the united states was not satisfied and when the zelaistas having licked the revolutionists to a frazzle were about to take their stronghold in bluefields an american gunboat intervened on the ground that further fighting might destroy american property from some mysterious source which all latin america believes to be the united states the revolutionists obtained new ammunition they sallied out from bluefields again thrashed the zelaistas and overturned the government one general estrada the leader of the insurrection became president but he soon gave way to adolfo diaz now enters upon the scene the american banker president diaz found the country bankrupt there is much controversy as to how the debt originated each party blaming it on the other the truth is that Zelaya had left several millions in the treasury because he had just negotiated a loan with British bankers and had not had time to spend it. He also left a long list of claims because of his high-handed confiscation of property. The revolutionists had doubled the bill by their own destruction of property during the warfare. Wherefore, blame is divided. 
the important fact is that don adolfo found his country in debt to the extent of over thirty two million dollars a staggering sum to a small republic he called upon a firm of new york bankers for a loan of fifteen million this transaction was arranged through the american state department by a treaty which the senate newly turned democratic when wilson replaced taft refused to ratify nicaragua however regarded it as an agreement as security for the loan the bankers took over the collection of the customs and arranged to look after the whole business of the national debt they never advanced the loan they did advance a million and a half followed by comparatively trifling sums to stabilize the currency and reorganize the national bank but they also took over the bank later when another million was advanced they took over the operation of the nicaraguan railway president diaz now retired to civil life assumes full responsibility for these transactions he is a pleasant little gentleman with graying hair and a frank boyish smile i asked the bankers to do it i was taking the only means i had to bring my country out of financial chaos but i became as a result the most hated man in nicaragua in fact all nicaragua called him a traitor accused him of selling the republic to the american capitalists and rose to overthrow him for three days in nineteen twelve the rest of the country poured cannonballs into managua until president diaz asked the united states for protection two thousand american marines were promptly landed having suppressed the revolution they left a legation guard in managua as an intimation that the united states stood ready to suppress any further uprisings indirectly these marines make presidents today elections in nicaragua are as much a farce as in mexico whoever controls the polls wins the verdict wherefore the conservative party which first invited the american bankers has remained steadily in power it can be defeated only by revolution which the marines prevent you ought to be here at election time said an old american resident and see them run their voters from one booth to another by the truckload they number about one-tenth of the population but they always win if the marines were withdrawn even the conservatives themselves admitted to me the present government would be overthrown within twenty-four hours nicaragua as a whole never endorsed the invitation to the american capitalists when the conservatives invited them the entire country turned liberal if zelaya were to come to life and return to managua he would find the republic waiting with open arms but while the marines are present the liberals are helpless at the time of my visit another election campaign was starting realizing their dependence upon washington the liberals had effected a change of heart announcing that they would support the bankers as ardently as the conservatives and asking for a new election law which would keep their opponents from stuffing the ballot boxes a new law had been drafted by a new york lawyer the liberals were hopeful but uncertain who will be your candidate i asked one of their leaders we do not know yet he said we have not heard who will be most acceptable to washington during my several weeks in managua i talked with most of the actors who had played leading roles in the international drama i do not believe that the united states was guilty of a deep-laid plot to gain possession of the little republic 
i believe that the american government acted for the best interests of the nicaraguans but when one reviews the train of events since nineteen o nine one sees at a glance that they can very easily be misinterpreted until they look decidedly nasty first came a revolution assisted by an american gunboat which doubled the already overwhelming national debt then came american bankers taking charge of the national debt and exacting as security everything of value in the republic then came the american marines keeping in power the minority party that invited the bankers against the will of nicaragua itself and all latin america chooses to regard these events as part of a deep-laid program of intrigue seven there are always two sides to a question nicaragua under american supervision has made progress but it is a progress which both to the permanent resident and the casual tourist is altogether invisible outwardly since the coming of the bankers the republic has marked time no large industries have been introduced no railways have been built the greater part of the country is without means of communication or development the cities are in worse repair than those of honduras and although the bankers deny it every nicaraguan and nearly every foreign resident proclaims that the country is far less prosperous today than in the worst days of zelaya this is largely due to the fact that the bankers administering nicaragua's finances are devoting all their attention to clearing up the old national debt colonel clifford d ham the american collector of customs has reduced this debt from over thirty two million dollars to less than nine million there is no country in the world except the united states whose finances are today in such flourishing condition as those of nicaragua but this means nothing to the average native no latin american is ever roused individually to a high pitch of enthusiasm over the prospect of paying what he owes collectively he finds the idea quite objectionable particularly when the indebtedness was contracted a long time ago and so he says these americans turn aside at our very gates every penny that would otherwise flow into the country they are draining the very life-blood from the nation he points to the fact that when the american government a few years ago purchased the rights to build a nicaraguan canal at some time in the future and paid therefor three million dollars the money never left new york but was applied immediately upon that infernal debt the national bank has stabilized the currency so that the nicaraguan codoba is on a bar with the american dollar according to the bankers there's more money in circulation today in nicaragua than ever before but the nicaraguan insists that prices have risen so that he now can buy only half as much as in the days of zelaya forgetting that prices have risen throughout the world all the money is in the bank and i cannot obtain credit without giving security the latin is not a hard cold business man he resents these business-like methods he curses the commerciality of the gingo the railway when the americans took it over was a total wreck the employees had not been paid for two weeks since there was just two dollars and forty-nine cents in the cash drawer the names of thirty-five dead men were found still on the payroll some of the locomotive engineers were barefoot most of the workers had to draw their salary in the form of an IOU, which could be cashed at a 20% discount at the office of a local pawnbroker.
every one of any political prominence expected a pass the more influential were accustomed to private cars or to the courtesy of having the regular passenger train stop to wait several hours for them while they paid visits along the line Today the road is in good shape it operates systematically as railways should operate it operates also at a profit instead of a deficit and is earning money which is steadily rebuying itself back into the hands of the nicaraguan government but the nicaraguan is suspicious whenever the american manager buys a new locomotive the newspapers proclaim that he's done so to run up the bills in order that nicaragua cannot regain control of the road some day in the near future the american capitalist will retire leaving nicaragua in excellent shape for progress since the latin american lives completely in the present the nicaraguan cannot appreciate work that builds for future prosperity he sees no visible result of the american cooperation he knows only that his country has been at a standstill since the americans came he loudly damns the gringo and all latin america echoes his accusations against the scheming colossus of the north so unfortunately does many an american resident in nicaragua eight nicaragua is a lowland of tropical heat it has the least invigorating climate in central america the natives are not particularly blessed with energy or industry and are consequently rather eager to blame their lack of initiative to the stifling effect of their subserviency to the united states individually they are quite ready to be friendly to any american collectively they love to damn the gringos and the newspapers of managua and leon cater regularly to their taste by soaking every yankee who attains prominence in the republic these papers like the dailies of guatemala are mostly four-sheet publications with the flavor of rural journalism they are printed usually at a loss by gentlemen of political aspirations who desire an organ for self-expression the reporters inspired by the same vanity editorialize in every news report in mentioning the arrival of an actress they felicitate her and wish her success in describing the arrest of some petty criminal they express the hope that he may be convicted and hanged and dealt with not too leniently in purgatory in attacking americans however they reach their highest flights of eloquence no article on politics or finance is complete without an allusion to the oppressive hand of the american banker and when the banker has been exhausted as a source of indignant outpourings they give their attention to the other american residents on one occasion they flamed out against young rene wallace the son of a yankee merchant because he had organized a league of basketball clubs among the young ladies of nicaraguan society they proclaimed indignantly that he was trying to deprive the local senoritas of all modesty and gentleness by arraying them in bloomers and teaching them the hoydenish games wherein no self-respecting woman could indulge on another occasion they flamed out against dr daniel m malloy of the rockefeller foundation because the name of rockefeller suggested to them another capitalistic invasion this foundation has been active throughout central america particularly in combating hookworm wherewith nearly all the barefoot inhabitants are infected it suppressed a yellow fever epidemic which swept throughout these countries in nineteen eighteen 
it has built hospitals improved water supplies taught hygiene and worked in many other ways for the betterment of the various republics the ignorant peons indifferent to hygiene had always regarded sickness and disease as something inevitable to be accepted with fatalistic patience in infant mortality mexico surpasses all the world's civilized communities while its total death rate is thrice that of the united states and it is safe to assume that the central american republics in the absence of statistics keep pace with mexico the educated masses have never made much effort to relieve this situation in Tegucigalpa, a recently appointed director of a government hospital had to begin his work by removing forty-two cans of garbage left in the hospital patio by the last director the rockefeller foundation there in employing a new native physician of high standing in the community discovered that he had never studied bacteriology and had but a vague idea that any diseases were caused by germs in lands where such conditions prevail the foundation should have been hailed as a godsend especially since it came largely at its own expense but a newspaper in leon published daily editorials attacking dr malloy and insisting that rockefeller would presently be demanding oil concessions when no such demands were forthcoming the editor found another argument in the fact that dr malloy was advocating new methods in sewage disposal aha he cried on his front page we see the nigger in the woodpile this gringo is a secret representative of a manufacturing firm that hopes to sell us american plumbing devices nine at the time of my sojourn in managua there was a temporary lull in such attacks for the city was indulging in its semi-annual outburst of culture the aristocrats of central america are very fond of theatrical entertainment and some of the republics have built national theatres but such is the expense of bringing artistes from europe that performances are rare and usually subsidized by the government frijolita who had danced before all the crowned heads of europe had recently been performing in tegucigalpa the honduran government having paid her expenses to the country had allowed her to get out as best she could whereupon she was now about to dance in the neighboring capitals all nicaragua felt honored every poet in the country tuned his lyre and prepared to sing her praises in central america nearly every one who can write is a poet the composition of verses is a universal indoor sport among the young men on sunday each newspaper devotes a page to the unremunerated efforts of the local bards guests at the hotels seeing me scribbling in a notebook always inquired whether i were writing verses every one who can afford the luxury prints privately his musings which no one else ever seems to read when it became known that frijolita would dance the editors themselves took a crack at versification and published their outpourings neatly boxed on the first sheet i shared my hotel room with bosco the tenor and maestro the orchestra conductor frijolita stopping at the most expensive hotel had dispatched them to the sort of hostelry where itinerant travel writers were forced to stay and they were much incensed but to our room came the minor devotees of art from the nicaraguan population to bask in their glory 
and both bosco and maestro entertained them with stories of frijolito's absurd temperament and with sly comments about her age suggesting that she had not really danced before a crowned head since napoleon bonaparte went into exile bosco was a cheerful person he was small and rotund but he sang divinely and was not stingy with his accomplishment in the early morning he poked a bleary countenance from his mosquito net and greeted the indian servant-maid with an aria then he would stroll out into the patio in his pajamas carrying his guitar to serenade the other ladies of the establishment maestro was a withered elderly person once famous but fallen into obscurity he was taciturn and unsociable his one love was his fiddle he would stroll away by himself to the back regions of the hotel where he found inspiration in the banana trees and the rubbish heap and there he would evoke weird squeals from his instrument in an effort to perfect what he described as a new technique friolita remained at the more expensive hotel giving out daily interviews to the press about the many royal zions who had committed suicide because she could not respond to their love her husband sometimes came to call upon us he was a dapper little fellow his hair was very long his face was always neatly powdered his smile was endearing he would greet us with a gentle wave of the hand or a gesture of his cane ask after our health and withdraw gracefully a vision of dainty silken-clad ankles leaving a trail of haunting perfume behind him a week elapsed maestro devoted it to informing his acquaintances that frijolito was treating him like a dog then came the much-awaited debut the theatre was a shabby structure of european design its two balconies consisting of boxes and loges where sat the ladies of society the unattached men filled the pit many with their hats on craning their necks to stare aloft we waited an hour and a half for the president he finally arrived everyone rose the orchestra played the national anthem it was greeted with vast applause little withered maestro turned and bowed then the orchestra played again that piece about daybreak or springtime or something wherein the trap drummer usually toots about a bird whistle here the trap drummer had no bird whistle but the curtain went up just the same revealing a conventional backdrop and a huddled mass of plumes in the foreground which proved to be none other than friolita herself apparently asleep more applause thunderous applause it awakened frijolita very slowly she rose from the floor and commenced to undulate at some time in the distant past one sensed that she had been a great dancer nowadays one felt that she had reached the stage where she ought to interpret only the classics she was just a bit too heavy to do popular stuff but she was game she undulated faster and faster she flitted and romped and turned somersaults applause became a roar of approval the music ceased she bowed leaped behind the curtain emerged in a spanish shawl unwound it and threw it away leaped back behind the curtain emerged in another shawl there were fourteen shawls to be unwound while the roar grew to a tumult then she was gone bosco who was not singing to-night 
came out of the wings and hurried through the auditorium with a preoccupied air to let the public know he was connected in some way with the troupe while maestro acknowledged with grateful genuflections the approval of the spectators it was an exhibition such as might be seen in any second-rate vaudeville house on broadway as a curtain-raiser but it was an event in managua most of the nicaraguans recognized it as an inferior performance but outwardly they maintained an air of joyous appreciation largely patriotic frijolita had no support troupe there was a brief intermission then she broke loose again this time she displayed an elephantine pair of bare legs and the roar of approval increased again and again she danced interpreting thereby according to the program the latest wiggles of every land from egypt to japan she came finally to her masterpiece the genuine hawaiian hula hula and then occurred the unexpected climax maestro either by accident or malicious design stopped his music too soon leaving her with one foot in the air frijolita flew into a rage her far-famed temperament burst all bounds rushing to front stage she screamed revilement at the musician all managua cheered her rising in his wrath maestro screamed revilement at her and all managua cheered him friolita was outraged she seized such pieces of scenery as were not nailed down and commenced to hurl them the president feeling that the whole affair was beneath his dignity took his departure friolita's husband came teetering forward to mediate que pasa he inquired pleasantly what's the trouble friolita glared at him what sort of a man are you why don't you defend me he fled before another shower of scenery and friolita fled after him managua carried the little maestro out upon its shoulders and treated him to champagne delighted at the unanticipated entertainment he had offered but the next day the local papers did not mention the incident perhaps the editors felt that they must maintain appearances and that managua's semi-annual outburst of culture should pass off in the press at least with eclat or perhaps they had already composed their poems and could not deny themselves the satisfaction of publishing them for the verses appeared neatly boxed on the first page eulogizing the performance of the incomparable artiste friolita End of chapter fifteen part two